Hi, my friend. I'm so glad you came by for today's episode. Listen, today's interview is with a woman who inspires me by the way that she leads a life of impact, but she does it intentionally in a way that's surrendered to the Holy Spirit and also prioritizes her family in a no compromise kind of way. Now, if you've ever had questions of how to, how to pursue the things in your heart without it compromising your ability to tend to your family, you're going to want to listen to this. Tyann shares so many nuggets of wisdom throughout this episode. In fact, the longer it goes on, the more one-liners she throws out that you're going to want to write down because they will just inspire you. We answer questions like, what do you do when you don't hear the Holy Spirit? spirit, even though you have something burning in your heart. Or sometimes the yes that we feel we need to say to the Holy Spirit can be hard to follow through on. So what do we need to do? She shares one thing, actually maybe even two things, that she feels like often hold us women up from taking action on the things that are inside of us and what to do about that and so much more. If you've ever wrestled with those questions or maybe other ones that we touch on in this episode, you're going to want to listen. Make sure and share this with a woman that inspires you. She has so much potential and you'd love to see her take action on her dreams as well. Send it to that friend, throw it up on social media and tag me so I can see that you're listening. And don't forget to answer the questions. If you're listening on Spotify, there's a poll and a question that you can answer to interact with me in this episode directly. So, all right, let's jump in. Make sure and share it to a friend. It's a good one. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Hey, you guys, thanks so much for joining me at another episode at Java with Jen. I am here with a dear friend of mine who actually has been a guest on the show before we interviewed a couple years ago. Um, my guest, Ty Ann McClendon, is a dear friend and she is an intercessor. She's a businesswoman. She's a mom of three. She has a husband. So she's, you know, taking care of the fam, doing all the things. But she is someone that I thought, A, she inspires me with how much she does with her life. Um, and I thought that she would inspire you as well. And I know it's always good to get more than one perspective when you are considering starting anything, starting a business or a podcast or a blog or a whatever. And so I wanted to pull her on here to pick her brain and see what were the unique things that she's implemented into her life that have allowed her to build a successful coaching business and do the different things that she's done, which she's going to get into all of that while taking care of her family. So Tyann, thanks for coming on here again. You're welcome. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So why don't you introduce yourself and kind of maybe even share what are the things that you do do outside of um, taking care of the family? So everyone has a good idea of maybe the balls that you're juggling. Um, when I got husband to my, or I got married to my husband, Paul, um, now over 20 years ago, and we were both in ministry. And then in the process of being in ministry, we um, began to be convicted to really be the light of the world in business. There was lots of places that was shifting. So during a season of great transition, we already had two kids, one on the way, my husband shifted out of the church and what became a full-time workplace minister. And um, when I say workplace minister, I just mean he went in to the work field into the mountain of business purposefully mm -hmm. to make sure that he was light and salt 
for the gospel. And so he shifted into that. And I just began to think, okay, that's great. I've had all these things in my heart. What does this actually look like? But during that time, I had a prophetic word and that prophetic word um, had to do with me writing a book and releasing a book. And so I released a book called Imprinted, Discovering and Partnering Your Child's Identity. I was instructed um, by some people that I really dearly love and trust to write this book from the perspective of a mom who had kids, not from a mom who'd crossed the finish line and had 18 to 25 year olds and knew that everything that they did was going to work out. But like, how are you actually handling the season you're in helping your kids build identity, like write it from the throes of it, not from the memory of it. Mm. And so I wrote that book, which was something that I had in my heart because I've always had business and economics and government and policy in me. That's what I have passion for. Like one of my pastimes is like, like keeping up with cultural events, like, and seeing how it meshes with the prophetic. So that's always been in me, but I had chosen um, by conviction to make sure I stayed home with my children. Mm -hmm. So I stayed home with my children and then I'm feeling this season shift of, Hey, I really want to start doing something. What does this look like? So I wrote that parenting book. Then I started having businesses come to me after that parenting book saying, Hey, some of the principles you have in this book, I want to learn how to do in my life and in my business. Can you come and coach me? So it's only the Holy Spirit that can have you write a parenting book and then that be your launch pad into business. It was kind of (laughs) right. So that's what ended up started happening. So I started doing coaching on um, cultural values, on um, uh, the identity of business and how to make sure that you're operating in it. Mm -hmm. And then being prophetic, I was also listening for my clients just to what the Lord had to say over them and over their business and being an encourager. Yeah. And so started it in that manner. 10 years later, I am still coaching on some levels, although it looks different now. Mm-hmm. So about, um, I don't know, about four years ago, I started recognizing that most of the business that I was coaching, I, I have my associate coaching license, but I started recognizing that the majority of the businesses that I worked with were having the same struggles. And so that's when I decided to shift and I started working with a partner and we wrote a curriculum on what it looks like to actually partner your business with kingdom principles. Mm. So now mostly what I do is I mostly do conference teachings. Mm. I go in and um, teach business owners what it looks like to partner their business with kingdom principles. Then after that, what we do is we go in and we um, on limited basis, go in and work with partners and with like C-suite owners or solopreneurs and their spouses to what it looks like to actually implement those things. So my coaching, even though I'm still doing it, has shifted from individuals to more partners and groups in business settings. And so in the middle of that time, I've also run a campaign for Congress. I have helped be a part of passing a sanctuary city ordinance for the unborn in our city. So there's been a lot of things that I put my time and attention to that I have conviction for. Um, And I've just had to figure out how to work it into family life. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, then, since you're obviously following the passions in your heart and the things that uh, convict you and motivate you, which I think is key, the fact that you're following those things that are convictions and they're not just, hey, this looks like fun. I saw an ad on Facebook. Let's do this. You know, which no shame against that. Maybe that's the open door for someone. Maybe that's what triggers and flips their light switch. But 
I appreciate that you're following conviction because I think when you follow conviction, you're responding to something the Lord is stirring inside of you, whatever that may be. Um, and so how do you, with these different things, especially because when you are following conviction, these things are going to feel really important. They're going to feel like a mission or almost like an assignment maybe. Um, so how do you prioritize your time and choose your best? Yes. Given that these are things that are real passion projects and might help support the family. How do you prioritize your time? Um, I think you have to really recognize what is your primary priority and, I want to say that to my own detriment at times, I have chosen to be available to my kids. And I mean, my personal detriment, like there are things that are in my heart that I will say no to out of a conviction that the Lord says, you need to be more available to your family in this season. So I don't think choosing the right. Yes. Always means choosing my passions. Sometimes it means choosing to love who the Lord's put in front of me. And I think that the way that I've had to prioritize that is primarily, this is going to sound maybe overly simplistic, but it is primarily seeking the Holy Spirit and what he has to say in that season. Mm -hmm. And then when I hear it, just doing it, I think sometimes we hear things or we're led certain places, but the yes is hard to follow through with Mm -hmm. because it requires action. It either requires us to let go of something or it requires us to pursue something. So when you hear it, it's then taking practical steps to make sure you do it. And I think then you can give it with your whole heart. So if I decide to say no to speaking or going in and working with a business or taking on another client, I can say no, knowing that I have a reason why I'm a really intentional person. And so I'm not going to say yes without a reason, but I'm also not going to say no without a reason. I'm going to wait until I hear what the Lord tells me to do. Yeah. So how about this? Because we have come across this. I've come across this. I feel like my husband has come across this and I know other moms have. What about when you're praying about these things and you don't hear a yes and you don't hear a no, like you don't really hear any response from the Lord. How do you make your decision in those moments? Oh, well, this one might be slightly controversial, but I I follow passion and I follow desire Mm. because I think a lot of times the Lord is waiting for us to move. Like in those places where there's not a a solid yes and there's not a solid no, it's almost like I've already given you the bicycle, just jump on it and ride. Come on, girl, get going. (laughs) And so it's like, I would rather be pedaling and have the Lord turn me than sitting on the bike waiting for him to tell me to start. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And it kind of resonates with that passage in Isaiah where it says, as you are going, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walking it. And I think the key phrase is as you're going, (laughs) as you are walking. Well, and that's what Paul did, Uh right? Like, you know, how many times did he try to get to Rome and then the Lord would divert him or he couldn't get there, but it was still in his heart to go. Uh And so sometimes I think we, as believers, we overcomplicate things. Uh And when the Lord's like, just get going. If yeah. you're not going the right way, do you trust that I can get you in the right place? Yeah, I agree. And, and I, I had that the conviction will get me there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I had asked actually a similar question to the pastors from, um, what church is that called? Fresh Start Church, where they've got all that revival going on in Phoenix. And we had, had them come to our church. So we were visiting with their pastors. And I asked them, because they were talking about how they've structured their church where everything feeds revival, everything. And then they're like encouraging their people be there all the time and da, da, da. And so it felt very like consuming from what I was hearing. And so I asked them, I was like, what about people with full-time jobs and families and responsibilities outside of the church and the immediate revival environment? I was like, 
how do you prioritize what matters? Because I'm like, I've got businesses. I'm not going to be at the church all the time, you know? And they were like, and they had a really good response. They said, well, we tell our people to, you have to follow the vision that's in your heart, follow the burden, follow the vision. And so they were like, you can't do everything, but you do. And it really resonates with what you said, follow the passion, like follow what you have a vision for and what's burning on the inside. And because there will be grace for the vision, grace for the burden, but not grace for everything. I love that. Uh, it It is like that Proverbs that talks about where there is no vision, the people perish. Mm, yeah. And it's really about like, when you don't have vision for where you're going, it, it doesn't necessarily mean you're just going to die, but there are seasons where when you don't have vision, it actually feels like you're in a wilderness. Like mm-hmm. there is no water. There's nothing to parch your thirst. You're like, am I ever going to get out of this season? And that's where, when you get to that place, when you just are extremely intentional. And one of the things that I do, cause I've been there recently, mm-hmm. um, you know, like your seasons of life shift with your children, right. As a mom. So here I am now, and I have two high schoolers. I have a seventh grader. They're all in activities. My husband travels for business two to three days a week. And so I'm sitting here and I'm going, I just dropped my kids off at school and I have drivers now. So I don't even have to always take them to school, but I just dropped them off at seven in the morning. And I don't have another motherly responsibility until seven o'clock tonight. I won't even see my kids. That's a 12 hour block. That's new for me. Yeah. And so in that season, I'm like, what I have been doing doesn't take up that much time. And so you look at this vast amount of time and you begin to hear the enemy's lies about like, well, you're not really worth very much. Like you're not doing very much. Like, you know, you hear the lies that the enemy tries to tell you about what your life amounts to, or, well, you're just a cook and a clean and a chef. And now that your house is clean and you already know what you're cooking for supper, you're just going to be a lazy bum and sit on the TV. And those are the things the enemy wants us to think he wants to get us out of having a presence, not just in our family, but in culture. And it might mean that the way that you have a presence in culture may not be a business. It may mean that you invite women over and you have like a brunch at your house. It may be that you're being intentional and stewarding relationships. It doesn't have to mean that your yes means I'm going to start a business. I'm going to make money. I do believe in that. And I believe that the Lord is releasing women into that place, but it just looks different every season. So when it looks different, finding the time to say, it feels really parched right now. I don't have a lot of vision. There are two things I do. One, I ask Holy Spirit to speak to me and I begin to look for confirmations. But then I also ask the people who know me best because sometimes there's blind sides, right? Like you don't necessarily know what you don't know. So you ask the people who know you best, what do you see me excelling in? And what do you like when you think about this season of my life, do you have any thoughts towards it? Is there anything else that you see I should be doing or could be doing that I'm not doing? Yeah. And just having somebody do that. I don't, the people you're going to ask that are going to, number one, they're going to believe in you. They're going to encourage you even whenever you're fighting those personal battles. Then they're also going to potentially have ideas that you can springboard off of just because they know your passions, your gift set and what draws you. Mm, True that, you know what? And truth be told, the mastermind that I have now training podcasters started from I was discussing with a friend about things stirring on the inside. And she just looked at me and she was like, then do it, put it together and do the thing. And if we had not had that conversation and she had not been so direct and strong with me as someone who knew me and knew what I was capable of, 
I probably wouldn't have had the courage to take the leap and just do the thing, you know? And so you're right. Like asking the people around you sometimes because they're not filtering through all of your insecurities They're no. they, they see mm-hmm. all your potential. And so they're going to be the ones to tell you what you can do. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, there are seasons where you do have the insecurities rise up or when the season looks different than when you thought it would, or even, I mean, gosh, the last three years, everybody's had to learn that not life is not necessarily going to look like what we thought it looked like, Yeah, you know, and when those things happen, you have to be able to shift and pivot. Mm -hmm. And that requires the vision that we were talking about. Yeah, that's so good. So now you, I know you've gone through seasons where you are super busy. It sounds like now you've got seasons where <laughs> time is opening itself up to you. Um, but remembering even back to some of your busier seasons, how did you find time to get away and rest? Like, was there, um, you know, like family practices that you guys had in place that helped prioritize that? Or even you as a mom, I know a lot of moms have mom guilt over getting away, which I think is so self-sabotaging. We should not do that to ourselves. So what were some things that you did to like protect your health as a mom who's always being demanded from? Um, well, number one, I think it came from conviction again. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a young mom, I remember the Holy spirit telling me like this child is mine. Mm-hmm. The responsibility is for you to partner with me to raise this child. Like you partner with me and you raise this child in the way he shall go and he won't depart from it. Mm-hmm. But in the middle of the season, remember you submit your child to me and taking the like the heavy weight of that responsibility off of my shoulders and feeling like I have to be the one who does this. What it opened me up to is like when the Holy spirit would be like, man, you're really tired. Or Paul would say, Oh, you're, you're really tired. I'd be like, tag, you're it. I'm going to go take a nap. Like, you know, like there's, there was something, that personally after that conviction I didn't struggle very much with the personal time or taking time away because it was it's not I'm not the one I think sometimes as moms we we tend to think we're the only one who can do something for our kids yeah we're the only one who can do this and there is an aspect of the Lord did give them to you like generally your kids were given to you because there's something that you can impart into their life that nobody else can you have a responsibility there but when you're showing up for that responsibility, they need other people and somebody else can make them a sandwich. Yeah. Right. So um, I would say one of the early things that my husband and I did, we were convicted that we needed to remain connected to each other. So when the kids were young, we made sure we had daily date nights or weekly date nights. I was so, like daily, man. <laughs> yes, yes. Weekly date nights. So we would get away and we would go have a date. Sometimes that date when we didn't have a whole lot of cash was we would go and we would sit at a coffee shop and we would order waters and we would sit and we would talk to each other, but we were intentional that if we only have $30, we're going to take that time away to pay the babysitter and we're going to go get waters at a coffee shop, but we're not going to not get away. Yeah. And that, that kind of like started not only something for us to connect, but just like giving me permission to step away and take a breather. Yeah. Well, and I like that you even said that because it was a priority between you and your husband, it gave you permission. So I imagine that you taking time away for yourself also demonstrates for your kids the importance of self-care in a healthy way, like making sure they're not running themselves ragged. Well, I don't think anybody who is running 15 hours a week and feeling like they have to do it all is going to actually accomplish what's in their heart. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it's really challenging because you're going to end up doing it for six months and then you're going to hit adrenal fatigue and you're going to be like, I can't even get out of bed. So now what? 
Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. So was it ever a struggle, which it sounds like you've kind of answered this a little bit, but maybe there was little hidden pockets that you guys had to work through. I'm not sure, but was it ever a struggle for you and your husband to be on the same page when you were pursuing a passion, pursuing a conviction or whatever? Did you and your husband ever have to work through any of that stuff where you guys were seeing things differently about your role in the home and things like that? Oh, I mean, I think there's always little things, but I think for the most part, we were primarily on the same page. My husband probably wants to promote me even more than I want to promote myself. Mm -hmm. So I am very blessed in that regard. But there were times where when I would say yes, and something would have me out of the house in the evening, it was a struggle to realize, oh, she's not going to be home till 615. That means that I may have to start the supper or I may have to finish the supper if she's already started it. Mm -hmm. And us like learning how to work in that capacity together, you know, just the shifting of roles and responsibilities, because, you know, there are some men that love to cook. My husband is not one of those, but partly because I love to cook. Like Uh, I told my kids, I don't really like to cook and heat things up, but I love to chef. I love to make a meal. mm -hmm. And so for me, it is a way not only to have a creative outlet, but to also love my family. And so I can make sure I'm giving them something healthy and I get to be creative in the kitchen and then give them something. So whenever some of that responsibility would begin to fall on Paul's shoulders, there was just a little bit of, well, I can't do it the way that you do it. I don't know how to do that. So what do we need to do? So we just had to like, just working out the inner workings of having a life together. But I think one of the reasons that he, I'm a very stubborn person when I get (laughs) convicted of something, Uh like when I have a yes in my heart, I'm going to do it because I really have, when I have a yes, the the worst thing that could happen to me in my mind is that I'm disobedient to the Lord. Right. And so I am very honest with my husband when I have a yes from the Lord Mm -hmm. and he knows he's not going to budge me. So even if there was a place that we had a disagreement, he would be like, okay, you follow your conviction and we'll work this out together. Yeah which I think is a really important position to be in because I had said in the previous episode that my husband and I were not always on the same page because he had certain expectations of me or certain um, uh, just to him, it was a priority that I was always accessible to him. And so then when I start building things that made me less accessible, he kind of had to struggle through that. And so for us, it came down to just a whole lot of communication and like a sorting through when he was resistant to things I was doing, like, okay, is it the thing that's not okay? Or is it your expectations? And like, is there something that's being neglected? How do we figure this out? And so it was just a whole lot of communication. Well, and I think some of that has to come down to like breaking any codependent places. Mm. Like our goal in marriage is not codependency, it's interdependency. Yeah. That's a really different place than codependency to where you're gaining something from what I do in like a negative fashion Mm -hmm. and me always meeting your need, never requiring you to actually pick up your clothes from the cleaners or whatever it is like Mm -hmm. Like you can be an adult and pick up your clothes from the cleaners. Like it's okay or whatever it is, but like breaking the codependency and really leaning on each other and interdependency and reminding each other, you're my partner and I'm your partner. Just because I'm pursuing what's in my heart doesn't mean that I get to lay down my responsibilities to partner with what's in your heart. Mm -hmm. But equally I've been partnering with what's in your heart 
as my husband, like I have been serving and loving and standing alongside of you. And now I'm going to pull on that same thing. I have seeds sown Mm -hmm. where I have good seeds in good soil sown into your heart and pulling out the things in your heart. And now I'm going to call for that fruit and just saying, Hey, I need you to do that for me. I'm insecure, but I feel called to do this, or I'm going to move forward out of conviction, but I don't necessarily know that I have the skills, the gifts, the talent, and or the open doors to know how to move forward. Because just because you have a yes in your heart doesn't mean that you're automatically confident or that you automatically have open doors. It just means that you're saying, I'm going to move forward regardless. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, I was, I think I said in one of the other episodes, like even when I responded to what was in my heart to pursue podcasting back in the beginning, it was such a labor of love. I felt like such an imposter. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I didn't have anyone standing over my shoulder telling me, yes, you're doing this right or do it this way. And so I felt like it was eyes blind, hands flailing, trying to grasp for some direction the whole time. And it was half crying and half victories. You know, it was just very much um, a little bit of a roller coaster just because like you said, just because you say yes, doesn't mean you've got it figured out. It just means you're moving and the Lord's so faithful. He does bring guidance and bring direction, but it's not always clear. It's not always step Mm -hmm. one, step two. Sometimes it's like a big question mark over your head. (laughs) Well, and sometimes if you're like, I mean, I always find myself as the pioneering place when I started doing business Mm -hmm. coaching back in 2013 from a biblical stance, I couldn't find that maybe one or two other people that I even knew who did that or who thought that could even be possible. So sometimes your yes is doing something that nobody's done before. That's true. That's true. And that can feel a little bit um, disorienting when you are a pioneer for sure. What are some practical steps? Speaking of not always knowing what to do beyond say, saying yes. What are some practical steps that looking back, you realized uh, helped you get into business or helped you move into those ministry spaces? Or what would you say to another mom who's like, I'm ready to say yes. All I know is motherhood. Maybe she did or didn't go to school. Maybe she does or doesn't have work experience. What would be some practical steps to get started? Well, number one, I would say don't procrastinate. Mm. I think as women, when it we have no problem, this is a, a broad statement, but I think it's mostly true. As women, most of the time, we don't have a problem being quick to move on behalf of others, mm-hmm. but we're usually very slow to move on behalf of ourselves. And I think stop procrastinating would be the number one thing I would say, mm-hmm. like when you have it in your heart and you're saying, I feel like I have a yes from the Lord okay, then move, Mm -hmm. like just move. Like number one, figure out if you're a business, do you want to do it as a DBA? Do you want to set up a financial structure that's an LLC? And if you don't know, go talk to a CPA, Mm -hmm. tell them what you have, go talk to somebody. Those conversations are not going to cost you anything most of the time, but if they do cost you something, they're not going to cost you much. Having those conversations in the front end makes a big difference. And as much as I would say, jump in and start doing the thing and making money, creating the structure for your business to thrive is really significant and important. Yeah. So if your vision is that, okay, I just want to bring in $400 a month doing something small on the side. Well, you may be able to do that through another company if you're partnering with them, or it may be that you start a DBA. That's fine. <laughs> but you need somebody who is a professional telling you what to do because it will matter in the end. 
because I can guarantee you if your vision is only $400 a month to help bless your family, that's great. But when you put your intention and you bring it before the Lord and you have him bless it, it's not going to be $400 a month. It's going to be more mm -hmm. like I haven't ever seen him decrease something that number one, where he works with your passion set, he blesses and he brings open doors, never seen it actually be something smaller than what you had vision for. He usually takes your vision and he breathes on it and grows it. Mm -hmm. And so create a structure from the beginning that is going to be sustainable because I, I have had businesses where I have had to shift the structure midstream and it's not near as easy. True story. I agree with that. Um, so what are some boundaries that you have put in place that um, maybe currently in this season that you've realized, or maybe even boundaries that you've kind of carried through the season, you've talked about how you, you live from the place of conviction, but even maybe practically, um, I mean, I know like you talked about y'all's weekly date night. Are there things that you do for your own self that you're like, I know myself. And when this happens, this is a boundary I have in place to either check in with yourself or take time away or get with girlfriends and refresh yourself or anything like that? Um, I would say number one, when I begin to feel that level of the anxiety inside, when my kids are doing small things, small, either things of disobedience or small things that are annoying. And I begin to feel that level of anxiety rise where I feel like I'm about to like, just blow it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's when I know I'm carrying stress that is not my own. I should not be carrying this. So I then step back and I typically will even say, Hey guys, I'm going to go in the other room. Yeah. And it number one for me is the trigger typically that says, am I carrying stress from work? Mm -hmm. Do I have a yes in my nose? Is that, did I say yes to something I should not have? Mm -hmm. And if I did, can I go back and renege or do I need to ask the Lord for grace? Because sometimes I say, yes, I can do that. And it hasn't actually started, but I'm getting overwhelmed. And I can call them and I can be like, I'm really sorry. I said yes out of kindness, but really I have a no. I have so much on my plate right now and I'm really sorry. And to go back and apologize like that, that's not fun. That's mm -hmm. not good. But I would rather do that if I've said yes to something that I don't have capacity for. Mm -hmm. Then sometimes I've said yes, don't have a lot of capacity for it. And the Lord says, you made a commitment, hold it. And so then it's like, Lord, give me grace to know how to walk through this without it being crazy. Yeah. But stepping back, when you feel that anxiety rise, I, I say it with kids, but you can feel it when you're on a phone call with a client. Mm -hmm. You can feel it when you're trying to get your email to work and you're having computer problems and you're more annoyed that your technology is not working than you should be. Mm -hmm. That's just like, those are the places and the markers that your cortisol is too high. Yeah. That means you're stressed. Go drink some water, go get some sunlight, yeah. go stand on the grass barefoot. Calm your heart down and ask the Holy Spirit to come in to bring you peace. Yeah. Find out what's your trigger. And if it's something that you can deal with, deal with it. And if it's not, give it to the Lord. And like, that sounds so trivial. Like it sounds really religious. Just give it to the Lord. But there is something practical in saying, Holy Spirit, I'm overwhelmed right now. I'm going to give you this. Jesus, would you breathe on it? Father, would you take it from me? Yeah. There's, yeah. there's something that happens when you just hand it over. That's true. And I appreciate that one of your boundaries or practices is 
self-awareness because I feel like as women, it can be so easy for us to be so aware, like you said, of everybody else's needs that we become entirely unaware of ourselves and unaware that we've moved way past our line of limitation. And I know I used to think, and this is just wrong, messed up religious thinking that if I'm like Jesus, I'm dying to myself. And so it almost felt like noble to be giving when it was hard to give because that's when I'm really sacrificing and love is a sacrifice, you know, and I had kind of this messed up thinking, but I, I finally had to realize like, no, it's actually responsible and wise that I am aware of my limitations so that I can always give a healthy yes. And because God wants a cheerful giver, right? And so giving from that space where we're healthy and we can give cheerfully, that's what we need to protect. And so you're so right. Like when I'm overwhelmed with business or I just need a brain break or I'm getting stressed out or whatever, going out in the sun, going on a walk, putting my feet in the grass, getting in nature is extremely grounding and soothing. And so that's, that's one of my practices too. Well, and it's so biblical. Like Jesus pulled away from his disciples. Mm -hmm. He would pull away. He would go to the mountaintop. He would isolate himself. He would get with the father. And I, I mean, I just imagine some of those times Sometimes maybe it was because everybody wanted something from him and he didn't have, I mean, he only did what he saw his father doing. So I'm not, I'm not trying to say like, oh, he's just overwhelmed and he's at a point of anxiety. That's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I'm saying he valued rest yeah. and time with the father enough that he pulled himself away to just go get refreshed. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I had a, I had a health issue about three years ago. I had pushed myself really hard and I had been fasting for the election and there was lots of other things that were going on, but my body basically gave out on me. Mm. So now as I have regained health and I have purposed to make sure that I am partnering with the Lord and what he's asking me to do, I am very aware of my health. Mm. Like this may sound strange or like a judgment and I don't mean it that way, but I don't like that our, like our ministers are sometimes the least healthy people. Yeah. Like I agree. There is an aspect of stewarding our bodies in the midst of the call that God has given us. Mm -hmm. And after having that health crisis, I, I can guarantee you that I am very aware of how stress and how my responsibilities affect my yes and affect my no. And if I'm not stewarding my body, I'm not going to be able to steward my family. Well, yeah. Like yeah. the first place of governance is self-governance. And if I'm not doing good, number one, submitting to the Lord, but number two, stewarding my body, mm -hmm. stewarding my emotions, stewarding the voice of the Lord in my head, I'm not going to be effective in the next realm that he's given me, which is my husband and my kids. Yeah. And I've, I've been on the sides of ministry and I've been on the sides of business and primarily it is family first, no matter the cost. There is a reason that you were saved, not into a ministry, but you were saved into a family. Like God's name to you is father. So I don't want you to ever think that whenever I'm encouraging you to chase these things, that it means neglecting or stepping away from your role in the family. Right. I agree. And you know, it's interesting. I I'm glad that you said that about like even specifically ministers, because I feel like again, there's, there's this religious belief that views it as noble or like that phrase when they're like, you can sleep when you're dead. I literally hate that phrase because it is so ungodly <laughs> because Jesus napped and Jesus slept in a storm and God took a Sabbath. You know what I mean? So it's so like, what's the word like false humility to say, 
I'm not going to rest. There's too much work to do. I'm like, that's the stupidest thing ever. Like, why would we do that? And it's really, so you're so important to what God is doing that he can't use somebody else that you have to work 24 seven, like bring people alongside of you. If there's that much work to be done, raise somebody else, bring them up alongside of you, steward your body and lead by example. Yeah, I agree. Well, and then I also noticed a month, years ago that the Sabbath is the only day that's called holy. And I was like, Holy spirit, why is the Sabbath called holy when all these other things is you doing work, like you working for, for the kingdom, you know, you're creating mankind and you created the world and you created this and you're doing, 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 but it was the rest day that was called holy. And I feel like it's because rest is a key to us walking in holiness because when I'm tired and worn out, I'm sharp tongued. I'm not demonstrating the fruits of the spirit. I may make poor judgments and make poor decisions. And so my ability to walk in holiness is pretty contingent upon my ability to be rested and be in a healthy space. And so anyways, I love that you just called that out because honestly, when I have had boundaries in ministry, it has been ministers who have given me the most grief about it and had the most unhealthy approach and said, you should be here. You should be doing this. You should be this, that, and the other. And then I would watch their health suffer. And I'm like, well, that's why I have boundaries in place. And so I agree. I hear you saying that family is the priority and ministering to your family is the priority. And you did mention, I'll end with this. You mentioned the importance of reevaluating from time to time. Can you dive into that just a little bit? Absolutely. Um, so in some seasons, the amount of work I've had has required the better part of my day. Mm-hmm. And in other seasons, as it shifted, I have let it shift to where it only requires a few hours every other day. And I will ask the Holy Spirit, you know, I have a husband who travels for work. I have kids. I have three kids that are very active and in multiple different kinds of sports in music lessons, different kinds of things. And I also, in that whole regard of rest, we purpose to not overload our schedules yeah, because we value right. time at the dinner table, mm-hmm. but it doesn't like there are seasons where even if you're only saying yes to a few things, it still requires the better part of the majority of your evenings. Mm-hmm. So I am very purposeful in every year, every school year, I'm asking the Lord, what does my work schedule look like? What does my load look like? Mm-hmm. Last year I could handle this much. What do you want me to handle this year? And I find even just by being intentional to reevaluate it, you know, me having that conversation with the Lord actually even begins to open doors or shut doors just with the intentionality of talking to Jesus about it. Because reevaluating that says, Lord, I want my life to look like what you want it to look like in this season. And I'm not going to assume because I had a yes last year to that specific obligation or responsibility that it's a yes this year. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm glad that you said that because I do feel like um, because our lives move in seasons and because the Lord's always doing a new thing and a fresh thing, and we don't always know what he's going to do in this year. It is important to reevaluate and to look at that. I'm really glad you, you pointed that out. And then I have one other thing that I was thinking about Um, in my book. I think it's one of the later chapters. Like I just want to encourage people who have it in their heart. Like we're talking about some of the cautions and maybe even some of the responsibilities and how to protect yourself when you're pursuing your dream. I just want to say this first and foremost, I a hundred percent that believe as women, 
And as mothers, you do not have a lessened call because you're called to take care of your family. Yeah. It is a multiplied call. And one of my personal pet peeves is that we raise our children, that they have a call and a destiny that they can do something in this world that nobody else can do, that they matter and that the Lord is going to use them and that we encourage them to dream. But are we leading by example? Sometimes we have raised our kids to believe that, but then as soon as it's like this thing, it's like, oh, your mom told you you could do whatever you want. And then you hit 19, 20, 24, you're married, you're having kids, even 30, like whatever it is. And you kind of pull back from chasing what's in your heart to raise your kids to chase what's in theirs. And then the example becomes, okay, well, you pulled back from chasing your heart, what's in your heart. Well, why should I believe that I can achieve what's in mine? And I think that cycle has to be broken as moms. There is permission for you to number one, parent well, and also see what is in your heart. I have a friend of mine. She's a dear friend. She's one of my best friends from college. It is not in her heart to start a business, but she loves stewarding people into the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And she's also one of the best hostesses I ever know. So she throws parties, she gets people together, and she is intentional about sharing her walk with Jesus with others. That's how she like breathes life out of what's inside of her in the midst of having children. Yeah. Now that might look different when her kids are pre-K, but as they get a little older, she has more time in her day to have lunch meetings and to steward relationships and to mentor people, but she's purposeful towards what's in her heart. Yeah. Or it could be that you have a business. And you start it and you pursue it and you ask the Lord, how do I shape this? How do I mold this? How do I go after this? Because I think the point of this is you have something inside of you that nobody else can do. You have yeah. something to offer. And that passion, that conviction, that vision that God's beginning to bless you, just stop procrastinating. Go take the steps to do it. Because when you're raising your kids to believe in themselves, the best thing you can do is show them that you believe in yourself. Yeah. that you believe the Lord can use what's inside of you. We want to lead not just by voice, but by example. So take the leap of faith, start it. The worst thing that can happen is that it fails and you learned. Yeah. I always feel really lucky that I have gotten to coach so many people because I feel like I've had a crash course on what works and doesn't work in business without having to take many of those failures myself. Cause I've coached people as they've taken, as they've taken steps. Mm -hmm. The point is, Every single like victory starts by taking a step. Yeah. So don't let the fear of failure stop you. Just take the step. Remember, you have something inside of you that nobody else does. The world needs it. So whether it's in ministry, whether it's purpose in the relationship, or whether it is a business idea that you want to go after, stop procrastinating, go do it, take the leap of faith, and just go for it. I love it. I love it. You wrapped this thing so perfectly for me. Thank you. That was perfect. Um, you guys, she's she's right. Just stop procrastinating, doing the thing and just do the thing. And as you walk, you will learn as you walk. And the Lord, I really think the Lord honors our faith to even take the step. And then he will bring you people to encourage what you're doing, bring you people to give you some wisdom about your next step, or just get on Google, get on chat GPT and be like, this is what I want to do. What should I do next? You know, and you can pull ideas from all sorts of places. Um, but the point is walking and moving and every, every single thing that you do, whether it's what we would describe a raving success or a, a failure, 
even those failures are part of the school of learning. And so they're not really failure. It's part of the education. And so um, I just love that. And Tyanne, you live that so well. So if, if they were listening and they're like, you know what, I think I want to get Tyanne's book. Where can they find your book? Okay. Uh, my book right now is primarily on Amazon. So I would say go to Amazon. You can download it on Kindle or you can um, just purchase a hard copy. Mm -hmm. Um, but then the other thing is, is I mentioned, um, that I work with business owners. So if there are anybody who is wanting to know, Hey, what does it look like for practical steps to partner with business? You can go to kingsarise.net because we do have our conferences on there. We have one this fall. We'll have at least one, maybe two in the spring. And, um, you can sign up to come to one of those conferences and say, okay, I have this in my heart. What does this actually say about confrontation? What does Jesus actually say about structure? What does Jesus say about me making money? So if you have these questions or if you have any roadblocks, feel free to come to one of my conferences. And that's, I I really now only take coaching clients out of those conferences. Wow. That's really good. I love that. So that's kingsarise.net. And I'll put the links in the, in the show notes. So if you want to get the book or you want to connect with her over her conferences, you can do that on there. Tyanne, thanks for coming on here and uh, sharing your wisdom. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, you guys, thanks for listening and make sure and share this episode with another mom friend. It's easy for us to get lost in the throes of motherhood and to begin to subscribe to thinking that limits us that we don't even realize that we're participating with. And so just by sharing this episode with a mom, you may help her be able to break out of a box and give herself permission to follow what's inside of her heart. And so share this with your friends, share it on social media, make sure that you're following me over at Java with Jen on Instagram and that you're subscribed anywhere that you listen to your podcast and we will see you guys next week. Thanks, Tyanne. We'll see you later. All right. See you later. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, Hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember... Hearing God's voice is simple, and He wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.